Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. It's great to see all of you here today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Fifth book in the New Testament. And we're continuing our series. We started last week called Fill This House. And um, I'm just wanting to encourage you and to uh, infuse you with joy and excitement about this house and your place in this house and filling it up. Amen. I believe it's God's will that every house of worship be filled up. Amen. Amen. And particularly, I believe that uh, uh, One Cause Church is to be that place. Wherever he has us, he has us in McKinney, he has us in Granbury, he has us in Irving, he has us online uh, with our live stream and then podcast. So um, we are getting the word out. But as I told you last week, I believe that the Lord has something specific about this McKinney location that he is laser pointing his attention here in this time in our lives. And so I just want us to be stirred up and prepped and ready to do our part, to, to give what we have, and to experience his filling. Amen. Amen. So um, if you would, okay, so we're going to read Acts chapter 2. Now I want to also encourage you, just like I did the early service, that on Wednesday nights we have a service here at 7 o'clock. But this past Wednesday I started um, kind of a different format for how we discuss the Bible and and set it up more like a classroom, like I do when I teach at Christ for the Nations. And in the fall, I teach a class, a course called Corinthian Letters, and then also I teach homiletics every semester. That's the art and science of preaching. But I'm bringing that a condensed version of Corinthian Letters to you. So you're getting a college education on Wednesday nights. And um, But I've got it set up like a classroom setting. So last Wednesday, we started and you're free to raise your hand and ask questions during, during that time, all right? And so don't just save questions to the end. It's part of what we do. It's an interacting kind of message that we're bringing. So I want to encourage you to come if you've got questions, especially when it comes to the scriptures. Please feel free to bring those. Um, uh, Corinthian Letters is a very practical book, and, and Paul gets on a very practical level with the people and helps them, walks them through different issues that they had faced as a church in a culture that was inundated with all kinds of influences from different religions, different practices, you know, pagan worship, and then, and then just the overall system of the world. And so Paul's taking them through different facets of the Christian life and teaching them what the separated life looks like, what a sanctified one that is, is pulled away from the world and consecrated to God. And that and what it looks like in the everyday practice of the Christian. And so he gets down on, on, on just a daily living kind of thing and helps us face issues and, and deal with those issues so that we can let our light so shine before men yeah. and so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So I, I just want to encourage you to come uh, to this and be a part of that. It's a great time, and, and if you've got any questions, hopefully we can get those questions answered. Amen. So Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. But this, we're going to continue in part two of this series called Fill This House, and we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, and but but the... What David said in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5, about the house of God has really been our staple verse for this series. And he said that the house of God must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious 
throughout all countries. Wow, what a thing to say about the house of God, huh? What a marvelous thing. Exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. And then he said, I will now make preparations for it. So David showed us the standard of what the house of God should be in the earth. And then what our part is in seeing that that house be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious. You know, we're not called, you're not all called to do everything, but you're all called to do something. And when we all put our somethings together, everything gets done. Hallelujah. With his help, with his help, we're partnering with God. Remember, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. And he is still building his church, and we are here in the earth at this time to continue that work in the earth, to continue to build his church, building lives, building buildings, building uh, the, 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 continuing to see the kingdom of God increased in the world. Because there's coming a day, thank God, when Jesus is going to return and he's going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to show us the right way to do it from start to finish. He's going to make all things new. Aren't you looking forward to that day when Jesus will make everything right? But while we are here in this earth, we are to occupy and we are to, to put our hands to the work and give our whole hearts and lives. And so we're going to see a theme today when it comes to filling the, the house of God. See a theme through these scriptures today that I hope that you'll grab a hold of today and, and play an active part in it. And it starts here in, in Acts 2 verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, <clears throat> they were all with one accord in one place. Did you see that? With one accord in one place. Let's all say that together. With one accord in one place. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came from heaven the sound, a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it did what? Filled the house, the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to see, we're going to see a pattern when God's people get together in one accord, then God does something marvelous in that setting. They were gathered with one accord in one place and suddenly, bam, a sound came. The sound filled the place and the Holy Spirit filled the people. A sound filled the place and the Holy Spirit filled the people. Yeah. And it says, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this was a marvelous sign because Jesus told the disciples to go and wait. This is right after he's risen from the dead. This is the very first church service. Isn't that interesting? And as they're gathered there, they're waiting for the promise of the Spirit. It says, while they were sitting there, see, it's not hard to be of one mind and one accord. They weren't there striving like, now we all need to get on the same page. <laughs> right? The gathering together, seeing that as the thing that we collect ourselves together yeah. as members of the body of Christ is a powerful thing. Yeah. And when that happened, God said, now it's my turn. And he said, Jesus said, don't do anything until you're endued with power from on high. And when they did, and, and, and there were Jews from all over the world, the scripture says. You can read on in this chapter, and it reads all the different regions and places that they were from, from all over the world. They were there gathered for the Feast of First Fruits of Pentecost. And, here they are, and they hear these 120 people like speaking in tongues, 
but they all understood it in their own language, in their own dialect. God performed a miraculous miracle crowd-wide. And, I mean, they're, they're confused about how it is that this is going on, but they're not confused at what's being said. And they said, we hear them magnifying God and declaring His marvelous works. Yes. Now think about that. Think about that. Of all the things that God would want the people to hear in this miraculous moment, I love, I love that. Now, who's given the utterance? It's the Holy Spirit. So really, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through these vessels, using their voices to declare the marvelous, the wondrous works of God. What else does he have to do to show to us that Jesus did everything that was necessary? For us to come into a glorious, wonderful relationship with God. This message was not, you bunch of sinners. You need to repent. I'm angry at the sin in the world. Hmm? No, no, no. See, Jesus eradicated sin. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Church, this has to be our message. Unfortunately, too many churches are imputing people's sins to them. They're not preaching the real gospel. The gospel is Christ died for our sins. Hallelujah. Which means your sins have been done with, away with through his death. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. That is the one cause of Christ. That's why we're called One Cause Church, because we've taken up his cause, that we are witnesses, that we bear witness of the truth. And we don't ever change that. We don't ever, I don't care how I feel about it, what I think about it. The fact is God is good. God is gracious. He has chosen to love us. He's chosen to forgive us. He's chosen to call us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He has chosen to make us who were dead alive in Christ and seat us in heavenly places with Christ. Like it or not, that's the reality. I do like it. I do like it. That God is so good. He is that good that he had forgave me of all my sins. And so now, what does God have to say to man? Oh, the wondrous works of God. And then people are going, well, how how is all this going on? These people are drunk or something. And Peter says, look, guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, they're not drunk. This is what was spoken by Joel the prophet. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And he goes on to tell what would happen. And now here we are in those last. He's saying, this is that. This is, this is the fulfillment of that. And it's continuing to be the fulfillment of the last days where the Spirit of God is here in the earth amongst his people so that we can experience the power and the presence and the glory of Almighty God. And we find it in these one accord gatherings. Don't ever underestimate the power of this moment yes. and what it's doing for your life yes. right now. Yes. Thank you, hmm? right. This is Thank you. an outreach to this community. Yes. This building, Thank this place is an outreach yes. for people to come and gather Thank you. to experience something beyond our own individual experience. Right. And that's good enough of itself. 
But you're not called to just be individuals. You're individual members of a body. So this happened. They were one accord, and man, the Spirit manifested, didn't he? Now let's look at let's look a little further down in verse 46. Look what happens here. So continuing daily with one accord. With what? With one accord. In the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Yeah, I mean, they, they thought, hey, this getting together is working out pretty good, so let's just keep doing that. And as they did, now look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What happened? They kept gathering and the Lord was filling. He just kept adding, kept adding, kept adding. One accord, we have manifestation. They gather in one accord, now we have multiplication. Woo! Now let's go to chapter 5. Can you take a little bit more? Can you take a lot more? Okay, verse, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders, now we're talking about this miraculous realm, right? Were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So here they are again. They're all with one accord. So first we see a manifesta- the manifestation of the Spirit in, in, in speaking in other tongues, the utterance of tongues. And then we see the multiplication of the people as they gathered in one accord. Now they're gathered in one accord, and now we're seeing miracles. Yeah. Wow. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Glorious. Verse 13, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. That's an interesting verse of scripture to me. And I think the reason why they didn't dare join them, those that were, there were some observers, they're watching what happened, right? Because if you read the beginning of this chapter, there's that really odd story about a man by the name of Ananias and his wife Sapphira, right? They have an encounter with the Apostle Peter. By the end of that encounter, they're both dead. It's an odd story, but here's the thing. Ananias and Sapphira were watching what was happening in the church. People were selling their lands and homes and things like that, and they were bringing them to the church. This is the very infant stage of the church, the very beginning, and so that they could have supply because they were feeding the poor people and they were trying to get the, the, just the operation of the church up and going. And this couple, they're watching and they're, they're, these are people on the outside. These are not believers, all right? And they're watching this happen and they're thinking, oh, okay, we'll do something. So they sold a piece of land and brought money to the house of God. Now watch this. They brought it saying that they brought all the proceeds from their sale to them when they hadn't. They kept back part of it, but then they came and lied to Peter and said, no, this is all of it. Then Peter said, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to do this? And so because they're open prey to the enemy, because they didn't belong to God, they're open prey to the enemy. When the, when, when, whew, this is, when the man of God spoke to them and began to talk to him, call him out on it, man, all of a sudden, death took over both of them. And it's a strange story, but you can understand why there were some on the outside going, I I don't know if I want to go to that church. Some people die over there. Better not lie if you walk in that church. And so they admired him, but it says that they esteemed him highly. In other words, they didn't join the band, but they really liked the music. 
This word one accord is, a, is a, these words, one accord is a real interesting definition. I'm going to give you the Bible definition of it so you can really see the power of it. With one mind, with one accord, with one passion. And so it appears 10 of the 12 times in the New Testament that this word is in the scriptures, 10 of those 12, it's in the book of Acts. And so it helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian culture and the Christian community. And it's a compound of two words meaning to rush along and also in unison. Interesting, isn't it? So the image is, is almost musical. If you could just imagine like a staff of music and a number of notes are sounded, which while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. Didn't work there some beautiful harmonies and melodies up here on the stage today. And so when all of them come together as instruments of a great concert on the direction of a master, so the Holy Spirit blends us all together, the lives of the members of his church, to make a glorious sound in the earth for the glory of God. All of you who consider One Cause Church to be your church, you have joined the band. Hmm? Amen. So you can always tell people, I'm in a band. The cool thing to say. Some of you are the lead guitar, you know, the loud ones in the group. Some of you are cool and subtle and you keep things together, right? I mean, you're just that solid keeping the beat. You're the drummer. You're the bass player. Some of you are the saxophone. That smooth saxophone. Remember Kenny G? You know, years ago, Kenny G set a, a world record for the longest note played. 45 minutes through circular breathing he held one note for 45 minutes. And, and they had opened up to the public, and he was very, well, he was resistant to that because he thought, I'm going to bore these people. I don't want to do that. And I heard uh, Norm MacDonald, I don't know if you remember Saturday Night Live on the, what was that news thing called? Weekend Update. He was telling this, he was giving the, the news about that he had just set that record 45 minutes and he said, and he was afraid that people would think it was boring. He said, but what Kenny G needs to understand is all the notes he plays are boring. But <laughs> some of you are the piano, some of you may be the banjo. I like the banjo. Or some of you just come and make a joyful noise. As long as it's joyful, we're happy to have you. But why are we here? What is the vision of One Cause Church so that we can all rally around that vision and gather together in that? Number one, it's to lift up the name of Jesus. Yes. Hmm? Amen. Just as the Holy Spirit did on that day. To magnify God and declare His wondrous works in His Son. To lift up the name of Jesus. Huh? Aren't we also here to be a light to our community? Hmm? Be a light to our community. The scripture says, let your light so shine before me that you as the church are a city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. Let your light shine in such a way. You're not made to be in the dark. You're not made to be covered up. You're made to shine. And then we're also here to lead people to God. Hmm? Because here's the thing. We need to remember this and be fully convinced of so that it affects our actions throughout the day. It affects our connections with other people. 
that we believe that Jesus Christ is worthy. His sacrifice is worthy of every soul of man. He has earned all of us by his amazing sacrifice. Huh? Hasn't he earned it? Then we need to do everything that we can do to make sure that Jesus gets his reward. Because us, our place, our part in going to heaven is not for something good that we've done. It's not our reward. Us going to heaven is Jesus' reward for what he's done. So you are his reward. People are his reward. And so we're here to help bring as many people to glory to present them as reward. Hallelujah to Jesus. I want to do my part in that, huh? To lead as many people. And that's why we're here, huh? To lift up the name of Jesus. Praise God. To lift up his holy name. To bless his holy name. Continue to bring glory to him. Amen. To be a light in our community and to lead people to God. It's that simple. It really is that simple. And you think about this. You think about in the days... And when all this heaven and earth has passed away and all things have become new and we're all in glory, we won't be, we won't have the opportunity to lead people to Jesus then. Right? Hmm? We won't necessarily be an influence among others. We won't be continuing to build the church because it's done. But we will continue to lift up the name of Jesus, won't we? So, so that helps us understand then we need to do the things that we can while we're here that we can't when we're there. Hmm? So what do we do? We share his message. When we share his message, we remember the real truth of the gospel that the world needs to hear. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the message, my family. That's the gospel. And whoever believes that gospel will be saved. And not ever be ashamed of that gospel and make it something that it's not and try to add to it and try to make people jump through hoops and do all this kind of religious gyration. It's just simply hearing the gospel and believing the gospel. How shall they call upon him of whom they have not Believed, and how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's not just talking about me. You're all preachers. Hmm? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So you see that? If they're sent, they preach. If they preach, they believe, or they hear. If they hear, they believe. If they believe, they'll call. If they'll call, they'll be saved. It's the gospel that saves. We're just messengers. It's not my job to get people saved. It's the gospel's job to do that. I'm just here to carry the message. You're just here to carry the message. The pressure's not on you. Well, I don't know if they got saved or not. I hope they did. I didn't pray a prayer with them or nothing. Did you tell them Christ died for their sins? Hmm? Then you gave them what they need. Yeah, but Brother Eric, you got to let them know that they're a sinner. You got to take them down the Roman road. You know, every person that I've talked to, I don't know, maybe I'm too simple, that remembers their sinful condition before they got saved, I've never had one of them tell me, I didn't know I was a sinner. Because every one of us is born with a hole inside of us. 
that only God can fill. So no matter what men try to fill that hole with, it's never satisfied. And men can have wealth. They can have every good thing. And so this is the way of the world is a man's worth is determined by the accumulation of the stuff he gets. And then when they find out that's not true, they don't know what else to do. So it's a continual fight. It's a continual struggle. And let's just admit, all of us, all of us have to hit a bed at night and lay our head in the on the pillow and, and hear the stillness. And when the stillness is there, when the darkness is there, that's when you realize the emptiness is still there. And it's not until you encounter this great God through his son, Jesus Christ, will you ever find the real joy, the peace. He is everything that we've ever dreamed of. He's every pleasure in this world. So it's not our job to tell people how sinful they are. If I'm going to preach on sin, this is what I would tell somebody. All of us are born sinners. You're not made a sinner because you sin. It's your condition. That's the problem. You're born that way. Sinners sin. That's what they're supposed to do. We can't hold righteous standards over sinners. And we tell a sinner to stop sinning. Does that really save them? They can stop all they want. Huh? God is not looking for us to improve our lives. We didn't just need to turn over a new leaf. We were dead. We needed resurrection. So Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Huh? Couldn't help it. You're born. You're born that way. Born that way. You know, there are different people who practice different lifestyles and say, I can't help it. I was born this way. I say, I know. All of us were born that way. Every last one of us. But God helped us and offered a way to be born again. Hallelujah. Born again. Old things are gone and new things have come in Jesus Christ. So we preach this message. We preach the good news of God. We preach the grace of God. Hyper grace, whatever you want to call it. Somebody's got to balance, preach balance. You're going to balance God? Good luck with that. We preach the whole counsel of God. <laughs> but here's the problem. Here's the problem. They don't even know who they're quoting when they say that. They're quoting the Apostle Paul. So Paul apparently felt like he delivered everything he needed to deliver to us. Oh, and who's the apostle to? The Gentile. So Jesus told Paul everything that we needed to know. So if you just live in those letters, you'll find yourself in really the whole council. So good. Hallelujah. Living in truth. And you're not going to understand any of the rest of the Bible anyway outside of Paul's writings. Gentile, you're not that smart. Amen. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we continue to share this glorious message, and we continue to serve his mission. Part of what we do here at One Cause Church is we train up people, and we send them out. As a pastor, that hurts sometimes, but my spirit is, is excited when that happens. So God has us in Irving. He has us in Granbury. He has us all over right now, and wherever he leads us, that's where we're going to go. 
continue to serve his mission, that is to build the church, to reach out and touch others, and to show his mercy in the earth. My goodness. To show his wonderful mercy. Share his message. Hmm? Serve his mission and show his mercy. That is, we show the kindness and goodness of God to others. Reach out and touch others. To lay our hands on the sick and see them recover. To give to those who are in need. To take the time to pray for someone. To cut people a break. Huh? Amen. We even let them in on the, on the, on the highways when they're merging on. Something as simple as that. Verse 14. I'm almost through. And believers were in Christ. That's such a vague statement, isn't it? What does he mean by almost? <laughs> Just keep you guessing. Verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Now, what, what, when did this, what was happening here? What was happening? Verse 13, what did that say? Oh, the people esteemed them highly. So there were those watching from a distance. But then there were believers continually added to the Lord. Now, not everybody is called to this church. I understand that. But I'm going to act like everybody is until they convince me otherwise. Hmm? That's why we continue to invite people. And... But something happens to the church when believers are gathered in one accord that the Lord continually increases. All right, I've got to keep moving. I've got to skip this one part. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says this, and Paul is dealing with, uh, the subject of division, really, uh, amongst these believers, uh, or the, the big word is sectarianism. Uh, that's excessive devotion to a particular set of beliefs, okay? Um, which, really, we call it denominations today. It's ungodly. There's no denominations in heaven. Right. How can it be the will of God on the earth? All right. I planted... Apollos water. So he's dealing with this. He's saying, some of you are saying, oh, I, I go to Apollos' church. I go to Paul's church. I go to Peter's church. Paul said, listen, we're men. Don't do that. You got to see the bigger thing here. I'm just a servant here. I do one thing. Apollos has a different function. But look, it's God who gives the increase. All right? He's the one behind it all. So when everyone comes together in one accord, that is that they find their place and they do their part, look where we find increase. Isn't that marvelous? As I said before, you can't do everything, but you can do something. And you're called to do something. So do it with all your might. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, do your part. Hmm? Do your part. So that they brought the sick, verse 15, so they brought the sick out to the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities. Now look at this. To Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, they were all healed. Now did you notice that signs and wonders and miracles started in the house, but they didn't stay in the house. Right? So it begins to fill up, and what happens? It starts to overflow out into the streets, into their city. Not only in Jerusalem, but even the surrounding communities of Jerusalem. News starts getting out. Stuff's happening at that place. So they were, some of them were afraid to go close to there. Even to get that close to Peter, they said, if his shadow will just hit us, then that's all we'll need. And God blessed that. So they laid their sick along. And, people, and look, it says they were all healed. This continual gathering of believers started spilling over 
into their community. Boy, that's what we're talking about right now. huh? Miracles that were happening in the house of God are now happening in the city. Verse 17, I'm almost through. Then, <laughs> then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled. Oh, oh, the religious people were filled. Well, what were they filled with? Oh, indignation. The church is filled with the power of God, with people. Miracles are breaking out, and the religious people are getting jealous about it. They don't like this. Let me just tell you something. You're a part of something that is stirring up, You're, where the power of God is being manifested. You can darn right be sure there's going to be confrontation over that. Hmm? Religious people don't like that at all. Because that looks out of control to them. If they can't control it, if they can't define it. Hmm? Instead of being filled with joy that all this is stuff going, all this stuff's going on, these guys are jealous. And Jesus faced this throughout his entire ministry. So will you. That's okay. Don't let it stop you. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. So they, these guys throw them in prison. So an angel comes and rescues them, brings them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Let me ask you a question. Where were they when they got arrested? They're in the temple. Angel says, go back to the temple and keep preaching. Oh, okay. So, and, 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 they heard, and, they, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. So here they are. They get out of jail. The angel sneaks them out, opens the door, shuts it, gets them past the guards. It says, now go, go preach. Go back to what you were doing. So they get in the church, and they're out there teaching. Now look what happens next. And, but the high priest and those with him, this is the high priest and those with him, came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought out. They have no idea that, the, that these guys have escaped. They think they're still in jail. right? They're teaching. They're already back at the temple teaching. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, um, <clears throat> Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Interesting. Verse 24, how are they going to respond to this? Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. I'm sure they did. Verse 25, so one of them came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Verse 26, and then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, so they, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. Verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, now watch this. Did we not strictly command you? You know that all the religious people have British accents. <laughs> Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Now my question is, is that really the first thing you should ask these guys? How about... How did you get out of jail? They don't even acknowledge that. I mean, they, they, the doors are shut. They're locked. The guards are standing there, and these guys are gone. And this guy says, now, we told you before. Come on, dude. Are you serious? You won't even acknowledge this miracle? You won't even acknowledge that God is truly on their side? How blind are you? Just held to their tradition. And Jesus said, it's the traditions of men that cause the word of God to be of no effect in a person's life. They completely avoid this issue. 
Don't even question. And look, you have, look, you have what? Ooh, I love this. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Thank you, Jesus. May it be said of one cause church, we have filled our city with this doctrine. Huh? Wherever, we, wherever God has it, he, we have filled our cities with this doctrine. And intend to bring this man's, oh, who's, what, what man are they talking about? And intend to bring this man's blood on the, who's talking here? This is the high priest, this is the chief priest, and all the, all the upper echelons of religion. Well, well, hang on a second. They're going to blame Peter and these guys for that? How quickly they forget. One last scripture, Matthew chapter 27. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he's standing before the people, and Pilate has him presented before them. And there's a man by the name of Barabbas. Now look at this. But the chief priests and elders, who's that? These guys here. Okay. Persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So they're inciting all this. They're telling the people, say, tell them you want Barabbas. So the crowd's like, Barabbas. And Pilate goes on to say, well, this man's innocent, though. Barabbas is obviously a criminal, and you, and you want me to do away with an innocent man? What should I do with him? And the chief priests and them told the crowd to say, crucify him. Tell him to crucify him. So the crowd says, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he couldn't win him over, he said, all right. And he took that basin of water, and he says, I am innocent of the blood of this man. Now watch this. Verse 25, and all the people answered and said, who's telling them what to say? The chief priests, the elders, his blood be on us and our children. And now they're saying, you're trying to make, you're trying to make it sound like his blood's on us. <laughs> you asked for it. I love the way Peter responds. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. So it is on you. Him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. This text goes on to say, but a very fair-minded man, a great teacher, a well-respected teacher by the name of Gamaliel, stands up before this council and says, guys, you need to pay attention here. Now, this guy was the one who taught Saul of Tarsus. Saul had the best education. He sat at this man's feet and learned the scriptures and learned the ways of the law. But Gamaliel, was, he, he was a smart man, and so he started reasoning these things out with him and said, listen, remember that one guy who, who got a bunch of guys together and they tried to rebel? Well, that ended. They all died. And then the, another guy who gathered other people, and, and, and remember when, when they rose in rebellion? Well, that all went away too. And if these guys are doing the work of men, well, this will go away. You don't have to get worked up about it. But if it's of God, you can't stop it. And you shouldn't try to stop it. What you need to do is leave these men alone. The last few verses, and they agreed with him and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council. Watch this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So they beat them and they got happier. 
They beat him. They got more excited about it. Thought, my God, if we're going to be beat for anything, we got beat for the gospel. God, that you would count us worthy. And it lit their fire even hotter. It didn't intimidate them one bit. What was meant to shut them up made them speak all the more boldly. 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. And that must be the thing that drives us forward and continues to keep in our hearts and our minds that we continue to gather together with an expectation. Anything's possible. Lord, we're going to do our part. We're going to gather with one, one mind. We're going to gather with one accord. We're going to gather with one passion. Hallelujah. But Lord, we need you to help bring the increase. We need you to fill the house. As we fill it, we need you to fill us and fill our house and fill our city with your glory, with the manifestation of your spirit, with miracles, and with multitudes. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. I'm excited to be in this day and age of the church. What a great time you and I are living in. Let's seize the day. Let's seize them with everything that we've got. Amen. Every member, every part doing its share so that God can do what he needs to in the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this time together with these wonderful people. Thank you for your glorious presence. Thank you for Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of God. And the scripture says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. It's all found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In your presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father, for this gathering. And Lord, we don't see, but Lord, we, we see some things that happen, the, the beauty of it in the natural. But Lord, in the spirit, sometimes it's hard for us to really understand all the power and all the glory of this experience. Lord, may your name be lifted up through One Cause Church to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, may our light so shine in our community, a light that cannot be ignored, a light that calls out in the darkness. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Come, all you who are thirsty, all you who are weary, all you who are laid down with burdens. Come and he will give you rest. Come and find restoration. Come and drink of the living waters. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, that we will continue to lead others to you with our thoughts, our words, our actions. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this people. And I declare with them that they are a people who know their God, who are strong and do exploits in the earth. Fill us, fill this house, fill this city with your glory, with the power of the Spirit of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.